Good evening and welcome to another edition of Rev. My name is Lori Enright and we are so excited that you've joined us for the next 30 minutes. At any time, if you have any questions you'd like for us to answer, send us a quick email to rev, R-E-V, at eaglecountryonline.com. Special thanks to Mark Kreimer and our friends at Kreimer's Beer House for making the show possible. Visit the Beer House for lunch or dinner seven days a week on State Route 128 in Cleves. Los David Vaughn, welcome back to another Sunday night edition of Rev. We're sponsored by Mark Kreimer at Kreimer's Beer House. What a great guy. What a great opportunity for you to go down there and visit and get some good food. Mark's a part of our Whitewater Church family. I continue to be amazed at how he has blessed so many, and mm-hmm. and and God has blessed him. So go and uh, go that, and check that out. That outdoor river oh, dining man. on the beautiful oh. uh, little Miami yeah, there little is Miami. open with live music. It is. I was down there the other day. It is gorgeous. Shade, He's got shade, umbrellas. The food is fantastic. I know. I need to. Now that's sounding good. Oh that. man! Well, come early because <laughs> it's a popular place. And uh, but and then uh, when you're at Crimer's Beer House, just come on down the road a little bit more. You'll run into Whitewater Crossing Church, just a couple miles on the other side of 128. Uh, on a Sunday, uh, love to have you. 9:30, 11:15, any Sunday. We're open mm-hmm. during the summer, even. I know it's bizarre, but you can come anytime. Even though uh, you know Memorial Day and la- to Labor Day, kind of summer mode for most people. But we love to have you. Hey, Lori, on this edition of Rev, I uh, and maybe you can help me with this because I'm a preacher, and sometimes I'm insulated, inoculated from this, and I hope I don't come across this way, but I'd like to spend some time talking about weird Christians, odd Christians. How can you be a Christian without being weird or judgmental? Because I, I think a lot of people... So, you know, I like that Jesus thing. I just don't like the Jesus followers. I, I don't want to come across like they do, pushy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, do you think that sometimes inhibits people? I do, I do. But I don't I don't necessarily call it weird just yeah. because where I'm weird, you're a little, you're a little weird. You're a little I am. out there. You know, everybody's weird till you get to know them. But maybe <laughs> like creepy Christians. Ah, you know, that well, uncomfortable, like, yeah. you know, because every we're all weird in our own way, and that's cool. It's cool to be weird. It's but, good to be unique. But how do you, creepy. How do you not, how do creepy you Christian. talk about the Is, Have you ever had a bad experience with a creepy Christian? Well, yes, yeah, definitely, especially before I became a Christian, every everybody, any context was creepy to me. But how do I not become a creepy Christian? Because it's a hard conversation to have with people who, when you're making a change to your life like that, and you want to be authentic yeah. and real, and you don't want to seem as if you just snapped your fingers and now today you're a perfect person. Holier when yesterday, than now. Exactly. And it's like, how yeah. is, I think it's a fine line that mm. you have to walk. So you're going to teach us how to be a cool Christian Boy, and not like a creepy that. one. That, you know, that sounds like yeah. a whole other sermon some some weekend. <laughs> cool Christian and not Because there are some cool Christians. I think following Christ is a cool thing, man. Yeah, I, I, I've never been ashamed of that. I've been ashamed of, of me or other people who follow him. But being Christ-centered, that's the phrase that you and I would use, is uh, really important. But how do we, for good, uh, help influence non-Christ-centered people, spread the good news that we think will help people in this life and the next? So 
Yeah, let's explore that a little bit. I, I, I think that's pretty pretty cool. I think all of us uh, have this image when we think of what a Christian is, and it's usually like either uh, – and, and people have images of pastors too. I mean, they think, wow, uh, they got to talk funny, be funny, live funny, preach funny. You know, we think of someone who's an evangelist as somebody who's like on TV like Billy Graham or – somebody who knocks on doors of complete strangers and asks them to do something that they don't really want to do. or I mean, we have all these images, and I think being a cool Christian is just being the best you you can be, but saying, Jesus lives inside of me. I'm just going to follow Jesus. Whatever Jesus did is what I'm going to do. If he didn't do it, I don't want to do it. If he did do it, that's what I want to do. So I've learned over the years there are some things uh, that we can do. And if you're in Eagle Country and you're wanting to influence somebody for Jesus, or if you are listening and you're thinking, man, I might want to try out that Whitewater Crossing Church, here are some of the same qualities that we try to exhibit uh, that I think make it attr- make the gospel and make Jesus more attractive. First thing I would say is if you're a Christ follower, uh, don't be a creepy Christian be humble. Be humble. I think what creeps people out is this holier-than-thou attitude. I'm better than you. Uh, watch me. Uh, and that comes across as very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jesus told this parable one time in Luke 18 about these two guys who were praying at the temple. And one was a Pharisee, which in their day would have been like the religious zealot and uh, people who were really holier than now. And they were pretty holy on the outside. They were pretty depraved on the inside. But Jesus told this parable, said in verse 9, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. They were like the like religious snobs. Uh, they were judging other people, despising other people. One of the things I think that hurts churches is this uh, – spiritual air of pride and people's they can sniff that out and they say i don't want anything to do that so jesus told actually this parable a parable is a earthly story you know with a heavenly meaning and so it's a it's a story he says two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee the other a tax collector now you could not have any two opposite people than a Pharisee and a tax collector. The tax collector was the most despised person in their in their day. They like ripped people off. They hated tax collectors. Now we don't like tax collectors in our day either. This, this is like the ultimate IRS official who's on the take and a very religious leader. So when Jesus told this parable, the, the crowd listened and they would have clapped when he said Pharisee because they thought they were all that. But they would have booed when he said tax collector. So it says, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, now think about the haughtiness of this statement. This guy prays this out loud. God, I thank you I'm not like other people, (laughs) robbers, evildoers, adulterers, and probably points, even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I go without food for a season. I give a tenth of all I have. I tithe. I mean, preachers would love this guy. Jesus didn't, you know. As he say, like, Lord, you're, like, lucky to have me. Let me let me take a selfie of me for you, God. You know, <laughs> this is how special I am and how lucky you are to have me. And I think a lot of Christians, that's what makes people creepy. 
that kind of spiritual ego. But the tax collector, now here's the contra, stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. I mean, he didn't feel worthy. But beat his breast and said, God, I have mercy on me, a sinner. No, there's no bravado. There's a humility that's attractive. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, that tax collector, rather than the other man, the Pharisee, went home justified or righteous before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the way up is the way down. The way down is trying to push yourself up. So I think the first quality or characteristic of someone who's an attractive, contagious Christian is they practice authentic humbleness and uh, they keep their ego in check. Uh, And so if you're listening and you want to attract somebody, don't act like you're better than them because you and I both know you're not. I mean, I'm like a preacher and I know I struggle with sin, uh, you know. And I try to remind, as Lori knows, our congregation on a regular basis, I'm just a man. I'm God's man, but I'm just a man who happens to be a preacher. Uh, and I'm a sinner uh, just like everybody else out there. I'm not going to, on Eagle Country, list all of my sins for you, but those that know me best <laughs> would say, oh, yeah, he's got some. I heard about one parishioner that came to her pastor who was kept saying, I'm a sinner just like you. He said, you know, that's true. We've had other pastors tell us they were a sinner, but you were the first one we believed. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right true at Whitewater. So uh, humbleness. The second quality I would say that's attractive is to be real and authentic. I think people can sniff out a fake, and this might be tied to the first one, but people who are not involved with Jesus in the church, one of the things that keeps them away is they they might have known a Christian who who acted holier than now, but they were re- not, not real. They were very hypocritical. Now, there's some hypocrisy in all of us, Lori. Uh, if, if a hypocrite is not doing what you say you want to do, all of us have hypocritical tendencies. But this is a person who's totally one way on Sunday, totally a different way on Monday. We've had people who work for bosses in our church who are employees, and they thought they were working for a Christian boss, but when they showed up on Monday or Tuesday, and they see this person behind the scenes, you know what? It's not uh, coherent with, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. It's not congruent with who they say they are on Sunday. And it's very disheartening for people to say, man, I thought that person was that, and I see them now at work, and they're this. So having a consistency about your witness uh, you, you want to be holy, but you, you can't be holier than now. You want to be authentic. I think if people would come to Whitewater and visit at some point, they would come a, a, out of there thinking, you know what, these people are pretty genuine. We hear that a lot. Mm-hmm. They're pretty real. That that preacher David, you know, he's pretty. He, I can, he's just like a regular guy. You know, he puts he wears, his own stuff out there. Yeah, here's who he is. You know, he wears jeans. He's he doesn't act like he's better than you. He has he, a great head of hair. A great head of hair. Yeah, I I used to have a lot more hair, but <laughs> uh, I, and I think this is what Peter, who knew a thing or two, Peter was like one of the original disciples of Jesus, denied the Lord, and 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 he had to go through his own journey like some of us. Here's how. He uh, put it in First Peter 
chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people. This is your identity, now that you're a Christian. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So you used to be dark, now you're light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So he says, as foreigners and exiles abstain from certain sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now this is interesting. Live such good lives among the pagans, those that don't believe. Live such a good life that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So there's something about your deeds that either uh, help or hurt your witness. And that's why we, as uh, while we're crossing, we do Solve 7, which is solving the seven largest problems of our world. We try to show our good deeds. But we don't do it to earn our salvation. We do it to thank God for the salvation we've already got. But it's being real. It's being authentic. It's standing up and saying, I got problems, you got problems, all God's children got problems. Come and we can work on our problems together with a person who can forgive us our problems. So I think being humble, I think being real and authentic, I think being available to talk with to mm-hmm. people about your faith is important if you want to be a cool Christian. Uh, I, I think you must find that line between pushing when people are not ready Mm-hmm. To, to receive it, but letting them know you're available. I do that all the time. I'll say to people I'm golfing with or people I'm working on who don't have a relationship with Jesus, I can tell they're not ready to have the conversation yet. But I, I, when I have opportunity, I say, you know, you're probably not ready for this now. But if you ever want to talk, I just want to tell you I'm available. Text me. Mm-hmm. Email me. And so when, when, when the student's ready, the teacher shows up. And so I, I've just often said to people who might be a little resistant, hey, I'm here. I'm not going to push it on you. But when you're ready to talk, when a crisis happens, when you have a, a moment of, of, of uh, uh, perception or a moment of clarity or a moment where God busted into your world mm-hmm. and you got questions, I'm here. Uh, I'm available. So just being available. I also think uh, one of the ways you're a cool Christian and without coming across as kooky you know, is to engage people in regular conversation about the things that are going on in their life and their world. I found people are much more open to talking about God, the things of Jesus, the things of the Bible. They're much more open to talk about them than I am sometimes willing to share them uh, as a Christian. I think people are not interested. I think they are. So just engaging in conversation about regular things that are going on in the world and then Sharing that in the context of our worldview, that God created the world, that he is in control, even though it seems like he's not. And some of the other shows when we talked about why we can believe the Bible, why we think Jesus is the Son of God. There's past revs. You can get those through the archives uh, on on uh, Eagle Country website. But I think I, I really think it's hard to win somebody to Jesus if you never have a conversation. If you're not win some yourself, it's hard. So uh, even though I'm a pastor, I try to stay in touch with the with the real world. I, I mean, I listen to lots of different kind of music genres. So I, I don't just listen to choir music all the time. I had a guy come to me and say, you know, you're 
kind of a cool guy. He said, I thought preachers like collected crosses for a hobby or something, you know. <laughs> he said, you just strike me as kind of a normal guy. I don't know what he's expecting, but I took it as a compliment, <laughs> you know. So be, be just have uh, be engaging with conversation. I also think you got to be patient when you're trying to woo or win someone mm-hmm. to the claims of Christ. Uh, seldom do people come to Jesus quickly. That can be, and the patience can be hard to do, but I've definitely learned that kind of, you want to, we're, we're always inviting people, inviting, but sometimes when you don't invite that one time, it's like they just, they switch. Okay, I want to, I want to come with you now. I think I want to go. This sounds like something I need to do, but you're talking about, you know, being, engaging in normal conversation and all of that and that one of my questions was how do we in the meantime how do we coexist like for me because i'm a newer christian the vast majority of my life has been non-christian and surrounded by non-christian so i have a lot of non-christian or non-practicing probably more so christians in my life that i love these are people that are dear to me and how do we have a healthy coexistence without getting upset because that kind of segues into a a question I have later. Yeah. Well, obviously the toughest people to win are your family because they know you. Even in my own family, my aunts and uncles who maybe are not as close to Jesus as I would like them to be. They changed my diapers. They spanked me. I mean, you know, it's hard. Jesus had a hard time winning his family in his hometown. Uh, but I do think the life change that they see in you gives you a platform to share the words. Uh, so if you walk the walk, eventually they'll listen to the talk that you talk. And I don't think you should argue about it. I, I find myself seldom are disciples of Jesus won by argumentation. I've tried it. It doesn't work so good. People just get louder and ensconced in their positions. So I think you literally love people into the kingdom of God. And you love them, you serve them, you give them the truth that they can. And I think for your patience is so critical. Timeliness. So every day I would pray, God, is this the right time to talk to this person about this? And be patient because, you know, keep praying for them. Uh, Because it may take years and years and years, and all of a sudden, boom, like, here they are. And you didn't think it would ever happen. I can't tell you how many people in the church say, I, I never thought I'd see that person in church. I, I, the roof must going to fall down because there's no way they're here today. Uh, but they don't realize that that decision to come was uh, by a thousand many steps before mm-hmm. that, that God and others were building on that provided that wonderful decision to make Jesus uh, Lord of their life. So patience is key. I'm a little impatient. Uh, Me too. You know, yeah. I've think... been I've been told that a time or two. My <laughs> my stepmom used to say and I still struggle with this one. She might be listening right now. All my whole life, patience is a virtue. <laughs> I still I still don't even know how to apply that. I mean, I hear it though when I'm impatient yeah, myself. Yeah, I, I even yeah. tell myself that a little bit. It's a virtue. I'm not sure what that means, but let's go with it. Well, <laughs> it is. I I don't think the Lord was ever impatient. You know, he, he. In fact, the Bible says he is God. The Father is very patient uh, for all to come to Him, not wanting anybody to perish, but for all men and women to come to repentance. So, God's very patient. He's He's waited thousands of years for some people to come 
So I want to be more of a model. But uh, patience is a great virtue to have uh, because it develops you and it makes you you trust in God and not yourself to manipulate this circumstance. Um, so if you want patience, pray for it, and God will provide lots of <laughs> slow traffic and people in line that will drive you crazy to teach you patience. Indeed. So yeah, it's never absolutely. too late either. Oh, so I'm man. sure we have people that listen to our show. They may listen every single week yeah, yeah. and think, you know, this is probably just too late for me. Oh. It's past my opportunity. I'm so but, glad you said that. That is so true. It's it's never too late. It's never too late. I mean, the greatest uh, classic example of that is the thief on the cross. Two guys on either side of Jesus. Uh, one of them cussed at Jesus, said, you know, uh, leave you know. He railed against him, but the other, the repentant thief, said, "Man, don't, don't. This guy here hanging here, we deserve this. Jesus, this guy here, he didn't deserve this." So Jesus said, "You know, today you'll be with me in paradise." He said, "Remember mm-hmm. me when you come in your kingdom." So he, the thief on the cross, is a perfect example of how it's not how you start; it's how you finish. He finished well uh, up to the very, very last breath he had. You still have a chance. And we have people sitting in seats every week at Whitewater Crossing who everybody wrote off. We have famous and infamous people, notorious people, who have come to find help and hope in Jesus and a home in his church. And it's never too late. Never write, that was my other thing, never write anybody off. Nobody's so far that the gospel can't reach them. Nobody's so uh, far away that and because the Bible's full of people who were enemies of Jesus, and suddenly they become disciples and leaders uh, uh, for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so somebody's listening here, say, "Oh, you, you I've, I've done too much. I, I can't ever come back." Well, that's that's a lie. I've seen it. Um, and you've and never, are, you said you've never seen the roof cave in, I have the place never, go up in fire. We, we built extra structure in steel just for this <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> just for you. Just for you who think you're too far and that you can't come back. And I can tell you story after story after story of people who said, uh, you'll never get me dunked under that water. You'll never get me in that church. You'll never get me serving. You'll never get me giving. And these people, once they find Jesus, they're like fired up. The best witnesses, evangelists, and people to be cool Christians, not kooky ones, you know, or creepy ones, are the ones who go back out to their former network of friends and say, you know what, you know who I am, and if Mm -hmm. I can be here, you can be here. And so sometimes I think the church is uh, hindered because we've just only been around the holy huddle so long, we don't rub shoulders with irreligious people at all or people far from God. We only hang out with the clicky Christians or the creepy ones. <laughs> and the more you're around them, the more you don't know you're weird. But if you just hang out with people who real men and women with real problems, then you are uh, always uh, more attuned to what they're reading and listening to and the conversations that they are having. But uh, as I said last week, what do you got to lose? What do you got to lose? You've tried everything else. What do you got to lose? Well, there's just too many hypocrites in the church. Yeah, so? 
I'm I'm the preacher. I'm pretty hypocritical about a lot of things. Well, and if we if one more non-hypocrite comes, and that's one less hypocrite in the church. I, absolutely, come join the party. I mean, you know, uh, well, the church just asks for my money all the time. Yeah, you know what? If you come to a Sunday morning, you would be shocked how little we talk about giving. Sometimes it hurts our offering. We don't even mention it at all. Uh, well, you know, I had a bad experience with the church, and a, a person one time did this. Well, not everybody's that way. Church is not perfect. It, we're imperfect people. Uh, if you find that perfect church, call me. I'd love to be the pastor. <laughs> what but, about, what about, I don't, I've heard, and I hear this, I don't need to go to church to be close mm, to God. Yeah, and, and you know what? You can be a Christian without attending a church service. However, I've found that that you become a creepy Christian and and a marginalized Christian, and you do not maximize your Christianity, the fulfillment or the fruitfulness of it, without being a part of the assembly. There's something about gathering with sinners saved by grace that's inspirational and informational, where you go back out into the world filled up, and so it's it's kind of like uh, you know a coal in a fire. It's good when those coals are all together and they're burning bright. Mm-hmm. You take that coal with a tong out of the fire and set it off to its side, the fire's going to go out pretty quickly. So, yeah, the church is is filled with imperfect men and women who are saved by a perfect God. Don't give up on the church. Uh, you know, that's what, what about I when I come in? Everybody is going to stare at me, and I'm going to have to stand up in front of everybody yeah. and introduce myself and tell my whole life story. No. Uh, in a church our size, anonymity is uh, welcome at first. We like to move you out of anonymity in the community eventually. But you, we pretty much uh, self-reveal when you're ready to take some steps. And a lot of people sit in the back. It's a little dark mm-hmm. intentionally, so people can... Uh, be anonymous. They can cry even. That happens quite a bit. They can kind of like feel like not everybody's watching them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we create an environment that I think is an easy first step, easy on-ramp for people uh, who are like that. And we have heard every single excuse possible for people not to come to the church and all have some validity to them. But there are still more major benefits. The church, there's nothing like the church when the church is working right. There's nothing worse when it's not. But at the end of the day, don't give up on the church. It's the bride of Christ. So I think there's a lot of bride bashing out there of Jesus' bride. And uh, trust me, I work with church people every day. uh, And I try to work with me every day. And there are no perfect churches, but man, there's nothing that beats. There's no alternative out there that beats it. Mm-hmm. No other helping organization or entity I'm aware of that does what the church does, and um, so that's why we would welcome everybody. People will say, "Oh, well, you know, I don't need to come on Sunday. I can worship God on the lake. I can worship God on the on the golf course. You know, you can, but you don't, and you know you don't." Mm-hmm. I've been. I, I mean, I've been guilt. I'll, I'll be honest. I missed church last week, yeah. and I 
I said as soon as it as soon as it's online, I'm gonna watch it. <laughs> yeah. I will. I'm gonna be honest here. I have not watched it yet. Yeah. So there is well, something it, in that moment. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna do it. We're gonna do everything sure. we say we're gonna do till we don't do it. Absolutely. I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Uh, and uh, watch it online is a great backup. I encourage because people travel, people get sick, people have to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's lots of legitimate reasons to miss. But I found once you get in the habit of missing one, it's so easy to miss two, then three, then four, then like. Two months have passed, like, wow, uh, where am I? And I am guessing, uh, I could be wrong, but I'm guessing that the less you attend church, the less spiritual you are Mm -hmm. and the less connected to Jesus that you are. I have found it not to be the case that you can grow on your own without other believers helping you and spurring you on toward love and good deeds. That's what the Bible would talk about. So I just uh, give one final plea to Christians out there. Don't be kooky. Don't be creepy. Be contagious, Christians. Uh, Find a good church. Whitewater uh, is just one of many who are really trying to serve Jesus. Uh, We're just imperfect people serving a perfect Jesus. And Lori and I feel called to tell people about this wonderful Christ who's changed our life for the better. And why would we be selfish with this wonderful news, you know, uh, we got the greatest message ever. We cannot keep that a secret. we got to tell everybody, and we're not really good at it all the time, and sometimes we drop it ball, but there's nothing like the church when it's working right. In the meantime, if we're waiting or hoping and praying for people, we'll keep being compassionate Absolutely. and understanding. And don't give up. Don't give up. Let me pray. God, thanks for another session together, uh, talking about what I hope are things that matter to people. Uh, Father, I apologize to all listening in Eagle Country. We've had a bad experience at our church or any church. And I know that uh, Jesus has never let someone down, but Jesus' followers often do. Uh, So I pray that if we need a new start, we'd come back to your bride, the church working right. Help us to be uh, contagious compelling, compassionate, convicted Christians uh, and not be weird uh, to the degree that we turn people off, but help us, Father, to right-size our witness so that more people can find help and hope in you. And so, uh, Father, I'm grateful for everybody who's putting in a good word for Jesus in the church today, and I pray this broadcast tonight has been helpful toward that end. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Rev. David and I pray that this show has revved up your life, your faith, and your work week. Find out more about Sunday service times, youth programs, and how to plan your visit to Whitewater Crossing at whitewatercrossing.org and click on the New Here tab. Our show is blessed by Crimer's Beer House on State Route 128 in Cleves. I'm Lori Enright. Please join us next Sunday at 7 p.m. for Rev with Pastor David Vaughn, only on your hometown radio station, Eagle Country 99.3.